You are listening to audio from New Life Foursquare. For more information about our church, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org. Now this morning we're going to look at Mark chapter 11, verses 20 to 26. So go to your New Testament, Matthew, Mark chapter 11, uh, 20 to 26. Can we get the slides up there at some point soon? Okay. Get your Bible. Mark 11, 20 to 26. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. And whenever you stay, stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Let us pray. Father, we've heard your word, we've read it in the Bible, but now we need to understand it and apply it. And we ask that you will make this time, this preaching, this sermon, a time when we enter into the things of God, when we learn how to pray, when we understand it and we do it and we obey what you've said. So Lord, send your Holy Spirit into this congregation now that we may obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when I uh, first encountered this passage, I was a brand new Christian. And I think we all encounter it when we're a brand new Christian. So I did the most logical thing I could because I was a, a nerdy chemistry graduate. And so I went to my laboratory, which I had in my garage, uh, and I got out a Petri dish, and I got some water, and I got the tiniest little bit of AR400 iron exchange resin, this tiny little bead of sort of plastic that's less than a millimetre inside, and I put it in the water in the Petri dish, and I commanded it, and it went nowhere. <laughs> uh, so I thought, I, you know, I thought, this doesn't work, and I was a bit upset and very disappointed that I had the zeal of a young Christian. But... Uh, the thing is, I was doing what God wanted in that I was starting to experiment with the things of God. God calls us time and time again to get involved with doing the stuff, to get, to get out there and pray, to have a go, to pray for the sick, to do this, to do that. And sometimes we have to do it one time to get it right, sometimes 10 times, sometimes 50 times, sometimes 500 times. All right? We just have to keep on going and keep on going, and, and then one day it clicks and it happens. Uh, so this, these verses here, Jesus said, look, you see what I did to the fig tree? Well, you guys can do that. See your disciples around me? Well, if you do this, you follow this, you'll see things happen too. When you speak a command, it will happen. And they'll go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But by the t when we'll look, we'll look at later on in the book of Acts, we'll find that they did get it. They were speaking to mountains and cases of demon-possessed people, sick people, and they were getting healed and delivered, and stuff was happening when what they said happened. So he invites us to do the greater works. It says in John 12 that greater works than these shall you do, so that those who believe will do these greater works because he goes to the Father, gives us the Holy Spirit. So God invites us into this journey of doing spiritual stuff. And let me say it's a journey, right? And you go according to your level of faith. You start really low and then you gradually work up. Right? So when we talk about this command prayer, we talk about speaking to mountains and moving them, uh, 
I start where you can do it, right? Start with the small stuff and move up. Now, I hope by the end of this sermon, you get bold. You start speaking to situations and they start changing and your prayer life vastly improves. And I'm going to take you through this step by step uh, and we will get there by the end of it. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay, so we, we, that's the passage we, ju ju we just looked at. So other mount passages about mountains. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and she, he shall bring forward the top stone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. And before that is Zechariah 4.6, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord, this mountain shall be removed. So, this is, so uh, Jesus is going back to this verse, and he's talking about moving mountains in the power of the spirit. And I saw this sort of come true once we did a crusade in Townsville, Australia, and there's a big debt, uh, financial debt, left, left after the crusade, and it was a, a, a multi-denomination crusade, so all the ministers, all us ministers, were gathered around in a circle praying. And one of the ministers, who was a, quite a character, a uh, big guy with a booming voice, said, okay, we're going to say grace, grace to the mountain of debt. I go, oh, right, huh? we all hold hands, and we're going, grace, grace to the mountain, because none of us believe it, you know. Uh, 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 and so he worked us up into the, and by the time we'd finished that little prayer meeting the money had come in so he said grace grabs the mountain and it worked I thought oh well this works so this is what you do you do stuff and you find out what works and you keep doing it again alright so that was the Lord's will it was his crusade he needed to pay it off okay and in Matthew 17 20 if you have faith the size of a mustard seed you will tell this mountain move from here to there and it will move nothing will be impossible to you when you speak to the mountain, the mountain moves because nothing is impossible to you because you're moving in faith. It's not just nothing is impossible for God, but nothing is impossible for you. It's you who speak to the mountains. Right? Now, in the psalm, we said, uh, the Lord, he can move the mountains. Yes, God can move the mountains. That's easy. But where to start moving mountains? Well, that's a challenging bit. Okay. Well, by the end of the sermon, you will, you will find out. Hopefully. Okay. Uh, okay. Now we find... Now this, this particular passage, I'm going to have to bring the Greek out. I don't normally like doing that because it sounds very sort of nerdy and uh, I try and keep Greek and Hebrew in the background. But this one, we have to do it. The, when it says, have faith in God, the actual Greek is have the faith of God. It's piston theo. The theo is the O-U on the end means it's possessive. So it's the have the faith of God. And when I, feel, when I was talking with this a friend and I, and I was disagreeing with it, I was saying, no, that's nonsense. You can't have the faith of God. How does God have faith? He knows everything. He's omnipotent. Da, da, da. You can't have the faith of God. How does God have faith? You know? He knows every detail of everything for all eternity. How can he have faith? Uh, and, but I went back. I opened up my little Greek New Testament, looked in there. Yeah, it's Christian. And it looked, looked for alternative readings. No alternative readings. Went around and I, I had this argument with my friend. And, and so I, I said, okay, I want an answer to this because this makes no sense to me at all. So I prayed about it for a couple of weeks and then God showed me that he had faith when he created the universe. And he said, let there be light and there was light. He was believing that there would be light. He believed in his own power. <laughs> he had faith in himself in a sense. Right? Uh, and when he said, you know, separate the, the light from the darkness and let there be an expanse, there wasn't, this happened. He spoke and it happened. He spoke and it happened. 
Uh, and so he was having faith in himself, in his own creative power, that his word would come true everything that he said. Okay? And in the prophets in the Old Testament, when they spoke, it happened. It was said of Jeremiah that God gave him the power to plant and to uproot kingdoms. So he would speak and this kingdom would be planted. He would speak and this kingdom would be uprooted. Right? This is power. And it came out of Jeremiah's mouth. And Jeremiah is said to be the most, uh, you know, he's the prophet that the Jews hold in highest esteem uh, because of that. And it says of God here, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. So God believes in himself that what he says is going to happen. And that's the faith of God. Now, to a much, much, much smaller extent, that happens to us. That what we command in the will of God, in our specific circumstance, will happen. Now, God got to create stars and planets in a universe. We don't get to create planets. Right? We don't speak, you know, oh, I think Jupiter needs a new moon. New moon for Jupiter, boom. No, we, we don't get to do that. This is not Harry Potter. This is not magic wands. Right? We're not going into the magic realm here. Right? I detest magic and witchcraft and all that stuff. We don't go there. Right? It sounds a little bit like it. Right? So what we speak in the faith, in spirit, happens. Here's a little diagram. We have a foundation in Christ. You have to be born again. You have to be washed by the blood. You have to live holy so that all the unforgiveness and junk and anger in you is out of your system. And then you have to be in the spirit by faith. Now, getting to the place where you're in the spirit by faith, that's the challenging bit. We know that sometimes we're full of the spirit and we're there and we're in the glory and that's good. Other times we're just grumpy and yeah. Right? And when you're grumpy and yeah, the prayer life doesn't work that well. Right? So I find that putting on worship music, praying in tongues for 15 minutes or something, I get up there and I'm starting to get out in the glory and then my prayer life has power. So you have to get up there where you're saved, you're, you're cleansed, you've confessed your sins, you're living holy and right with God and you're getting that resonance, you're getting that thing where you're right with the spiritual realm, you're right with God you're in the spirit, you're in the glory, and things happen. And then you issue this command, and then action happens. I'll give you a recent testimony. Uh, a few weeks ago, I prayed for a friend of mine who's a missionary to Indonesia. He's a Dutch guy here in Los Angeles. His cancer had come back. Uh, his wife had just passed away. His cancer had come back. We thought he was going to join her quite soon. So I prayed for him, and this is what he wrote to me on Facebook. Thank for you for your... Thank you for your prayer for me. The doctor just told me I do not need chemo. I am free to travel. So there I go to finish the high school. God is so good and real. The high school's in Kalimantan. It's the middle of jungle of Borneo. He's building this high school uh, for uh, orphans and kids. And he says, he's going off to Kalimantan. He's not being stopped by his cancer. So command prayer. I prayed with him in a command way to break the cancer. And he's clear. He's free of cancer. Praise the Lord. Now, that's not due to me, it's due to God. But when you do this stuff, it works. Okay. Now, we'll, we'll, let's, uh, in order to knock the prosperity gospel on the head and some other things, we're going to look at uh, some wrong commands. Okay. Matthew 4.4, uh, Satan turns up to Jesus and says, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. 
So there's all these stones out there in the wilderness. The devil says, okay, Jesus, you're the son of God. You've got all this power. You can command things to happen. Command these stones to become bread. In other words, we cannot use command prayer. We can't use speaking to the mountain for our own self-gratification. Right? Self-gratification is out. You cannot command a supermodel to turn up in your life. You cannot command some tall, handsome guy to ride in on a white horse and, and take you away. That, that you cannot command, right? And, you can't, and you, we cannot command fleshly stuff for our own self-gratification. So all those TV preachers, they're knocked straight on the head by Matthew 4.4. 4. You know, the one, you've just got to believe it, you've just got to command it, you've got to hold on to your seed, and you sow into my ministry, and you're going to get 100 times as much, just keep believing it. If you don't get the 100 times as much, you know, and that's ridiculous. Let, let me knock that right on the head right now. Right? You give your $100 to fake preacher, and he says you're going to get 100 times as much. So you get 10000 you know, next week. So you've got your 10000 and you say, okay, I'll give it to the preacher. From You get a million, right? So you give it back, you get 100 million. Uh, so you give it back, and, and, and now what's, what's 100 times 100 million? 10, uh, 10 billion. Uh, so you give it back, and you've got a trillion dollars. Now, no one has ever got a trillion dollars by giving to a faith preacher. <laughs> Never has happened. You would wreck the world markets. The whole economy would fall over because it's just such a ridiculous claim. It's a scam, right? At self-gratification, it doesn't work that way. And actually, we have laws in Australia where if the preacher says that, they can be arrested for fraud. They can throw them in jail because it's fraud. It is fraud. You're taking money from people under false pretenses. So, uh, and the Australian equivalent of the FBI will lock you up and throw you away for doing that. So, because uh, it's wrong. These people are lying to you. Uh, and so... We can't tell the stones to become bread. We can't use command prayer, moving the mountains to, for our own self-gratification. Luke 9.54. The disciples are going along, going through Samaria. The Samaritans saying, no, you can't stay in our town. Uh, we don't like you. We don't like Jews. So they're discriminated against racially, and they get upset. And they say, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to consume them? So they've got the idea of command prayer and moving mountains and speaking things into existence. They say, okay, we can do the Elijah thing. We can call down fire from heaven and boom, get rid of these Samaritans. Wrong, boost, fail. Jesus rebukes them, goes on to another town and says, you don't know what spirit you're of. Right? This is a religious spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. Uh, it sounds spiritual, but it's not spiritual. Uh, it says, we cannot use Command prayer for our own personal vengeance. You can't go around nuking people saying, I don't like you, so I command, you know, the patriots to fail. You know, I, I, Tom Brady will break a leg or something like that. You can't make the Lakers win through command prayer. Uh, you can't curse the opposing team or whatever. Uh, right? That, that is out of, out of, that is out of God's will, obviously, isn't it? It's petty, it's vindictive, it's of the wrong spirit. No, 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 no. Your commands have to be within the will and purposes of God. Okay. All right, so uh, let's look at some powerful commands that actually work, where people, not Jesus, I've deliberately got all of these not being Jesus, because in our mind, in your mind and heart, you say, oh, well, Jesus is an exception. He can speak to the storm. He can speak to the leper. He can raise Lazarus from the dead. doesn't apply to me. 
Well, let's look at some people that actually did use commands and get results. Joshua stops the sun. Go with me to Joshua chapter 10. Leviticus, uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. Okay. And uh, here it is. In, uh, and uh, the, Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped, till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Uh, and so, said for a, about a day, they did not go down. So Joshua goes, sun, stand still, and it stands still. Says, moon, stand still, and it stands still. That's pretty spooky, isn't it? That's real speaking to mountain stuff. And he says, he spoke to the Lord, which meant he spoke into the spiritual realm. He was full of the Holy Ghost, and he spoke this command in the will of God, and he won a victory for the Lord. That's pretty big stuff. All right, let's look at Acts chapter 3, verses 6 to 8. Go a long way to the right in your Bible. After the Gospels, Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are coming along to a lame man at the gate beautiful in the temple. Okay, and let's see what happens there. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. So what did Peter and John do? They looked at him and they gave a command. I didn't say... Heavenly Father, if it be your will, please heal this lame man. There was no spiritual la-di-da language. They just said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. They gave a command. And he rose up and he walked. They were in the spirit. They were in the will of God. They were in the time of prayer. They were moving in the spirit. And God, they sensed that God wanted this guy healed. So they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he he was healed. Come on, okay? Let's go to uh, the Apostle Peter again, Acts chapter 9. A little bit to the right. 7, 8, 9. Okay, we're going to see two things from the Apostle Peter. Verses 32 to 35. And now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. So here, Peter wins a victory for Jesus through a command. He says, Jesus the Christ heals you. Rise up. And he rose up. He was healed because Peter gave the order. God didn't move the mountain. He, yes, he did. God moved the mountain through Peter's command. Right? Peter gave the command, and the mountains moved, the guy's healed, and Aeneas is healed, and God gets the glory. It's important that God gets the glory. Peter's not running around as a magician getting the glory for himself. It's God gets the glory, and people turn to the Lord because they see this miracle happen. The next few verses, Peter, verse 36. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. 
But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. And Peter arose and went with them. And he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known through all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So, what happens here? There's the body. Tabitha's there. She's washed. She's dead. She's in the funeral shroud. Right? He walks up. Tabitha, arise. No religious mumbo-jumbo. Just gives the command in apostolic authority. Boom, she gets up. This is a command given in the Spirit, in the will of God, and he raises this woman from the dead. Uh, and uh, next we're going to see a spiritual warfare situation. Acts 13, verses 9 to 11. Now there's a big battle going on here between Paul and Elimus the sorcerer for the attention of the proconsul of uh, Cyprus. And so there's this big spiritual battle going on and Paul gets fed up with this magician. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately the dark mist fell on him. He went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. So here's a, a, what we call a power encounter between darkness and light. Paul goes, you're going blind. Boom, he's blind. Wow. Now, we were talking about this after the last service about some power encounters I've seen. Uh, I was in a place called Gawi Village in Papua New Guinea. The Baha'i people came through and the deceitful cult and they said that this was a primitive village. They said, you, we will get you outboard motors for your canoes, which is the ultimate thing uh, in that culture, uh, if you turn to the Baha'i religion and forsake Christ. So 13 people did that, and the next day they were all dead. And people, of course, stopped following Baha'i and turned to Jesus. I came in about two weeks later and talked about what was wrong with the Baha'i faith, and I had an attentive audience. There was a power encounter between darkness and light in which people died. That also happened with Ananias and Sapphira. They challenged God, they ended up dead. Right? So there are power encounters when a command is given and something happens. And darkness uh, and, and light wins out over darkness. And this, in this case, Paul gave a command and he was, this guy was blinded temporarily. Got his sight back later. Uh, next power encounter, Acts 16, 16 to 18. 14, 15, 16. This is 16 to 18. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed by a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of her that very hour. So Paul goes, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out. And the spirit came out that very hour. So we're seeing all these commands. The apostles and disciples and various people all through the Bible are issuing commands. And of course we see them from Jesus. He says to the leper, be cleansed. To the blind man, he opens their eyes. To the deaf person, he says, ears be opened. Again and again, Jesus issues commands. If you go through the New Testament particularly, 
you see people speaking commands and the commands bring results. And the word of command, the prayer of command is always about getting something done that wins a victory for God in a specific situation. It's very important that you think of it as specific. Some people take the word of command and they try and be general. They say, I bind all the demons in Los Angeles. That's not going to work. That's never happened, right? Otherwise, Peter could have stood up on the day of Pentecost, I bind Satan forever everywhere in the world, and we would have had no problems. Right? But that's not possible because we don't have the full power of God. We have a little bit that's designated to us, uh, and God trusts us with a certain level of power so we don't mess up. Right? Just imagine if I had the power to create planets or call in a billion dollars for myself, I would probably become a total egomaniac and wreck myself. Right? So God gives us as much power as we can handle, uh, and he invites us into this journey of doing things for God. Heal this person here. Cast this demon out over here. Manage this situation for God over there. We can do one little thing at a time. A specific situations. Okay. Okay. Now, so we command the desired solution into being by the Spirit. We address that particular concrete situation with a specific real solution that you can poke a stick at and then turn the solution into a command. Now, in spiritual things, you see them with the eyes of your heart. You have eyes, you create pictures inside yourself. Now, I found out about this in a non-spiritual way. I used to be a careers counselor and student counselor and all that kind of thing, and I was in charge of a career counseling center at a fairly large community college. And you would get these kids, they come and they'd say to you, oh, I can't do math, I don't want to fail the math exam, I'm the guy. I know I'm going to fail. You know what, they would fail the math exam, because in the picture in their heart, what do they see themselves doing? Failing. Because all they would picture, oh, I'm, fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. And, and that's their picture, and you achieve the picture in your heart. So what would I do? I'd say, no, 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 I can't do math. You can do math. What's two and do? Four. What's four and four? Eight. Okay, you can do math. So I'd get them to start picturing themselves being able to do math. If I had enough time, you know, like four or six weeks, I'd change the picture in their head till they could see themselves doing math and believe that if they studied, they could pass the exam. Once they believed they could, if they studied, they passed the exam, they would pass the exam. But you had to change the picture in their heart. And so we have spiritual pictures in their heart, and we find a lot of them in the Old Testament. You know, the lion shall dwell with the lamb and this and that. God gives us spiritual pictures to believe in. And we see them in the Psalms, in the prophets, whatever. So we have to change the picture in our heart from unbelieving to believing. So often, you know, when we're praying, the picture in our heart is, yeah, this won't happen. Right? Now we've got to see it happening. So we have to turn the problem into a solution and speak the solution. So when Jesus came up to a leper, he didn't say, spirit of leprosy, I rebuke you, because he's still seeing leprosy, right? Still the picture is leprosy. So he says, leper, be cleansed. The picture is of the leper being cleansed. So when he came up to the storm, he didn't say, storm, stop being stormy, I rebuke the spirit of storminess, because the picture is storminess. He says, storm, be still. He changes the picture to stillness and speaks stillness. So first of all, you've got to figure out the solution and then speak the solution. Uh, uh, For instance, when you're dealing with poverty and a curse of poverty over a family that's come down from generations, you don't say, stop being poor or break the spirit of poverty. No, 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 no. They're going to stay poor because the picture's of poverty. What do you say? 
God, the Lord gives you the power to make wealth. I think it's Deuteronomy 8.8 8 or something like that. The Lord gives you the power to make wealth. You have witty inventions. You are able to succeed. You are blessed with all the blessings of Abraham. And the Lord gives you the power to make wealth. And I break off the curses. You can do that. I break off the curses to come down this family line uh, through the iniquities of the fathers and the grandfathers and the generations. I break off drugs and alcohol and all, all wicked thinking. And I, I command that you get this power to make wealth and earn a decent living. So you're seeing them making wealth. You're taking off the generational curse and they're starting to create normal wealth so their money isn't frittered away. Yeah? And you change their thinking. Yes, God will allow you to make the wealth you need to make. Right? Same with spirit of drugs. You say, you don't see them with uh, drugs. You say, oh, you are going to be clean in Jesus' name. You're clean and sober in Jesus' name. And you command that. You command the solution. And you turn the solution into a command and you command it by faith. Now, let me say here, this takes practice, okay? You might try it once, 10 times, 100 times, 500, eventually it will click, all right? We are the resistance. We have doubts and stuff and hidden our heads. And, you, and if it doesn't work the first time, don't give up, right? It took me a long while to get healing to work and other things to work. So just keep at it, right? Okay, I want to encourage you to try the stuff. Okay, powerful command. Oh, we did that. Okay, wrong. I'm going backwards, aren't I? All right, press the other arrow. All right, uh, so this is how it works. You have a righteous, specific uh, spiritual command which attacks the problem, and you do that persistently. You believe that you receive, and you get a specific solution. So you, you address the problem. There's a problem in your life. There's a mountain that needs to be moved. Let's just pick one. Say you've got an unbelieving uh, family member, an unbelieving family member who is surrounded by bad friends. Right? They're surrounded by people that are dragging them into drugs and alcohol and junk and bad behavior. Right? So what are you going to do? So you're going to say, uh, bad friends be removed. Right? That's one command. Bad friends be removed. Let them, let them flee from, let's give the guy's name Frank. Well, I don't think there's anyone called Frank here, right? So, well, bad friends be removed from Frank's life now. I command all these bad friends and evil spirits to depart from Frank's life now, and I command they be replaced with good Christian godly friends. That's the solution. The bad friends go away, the good friends come in. So bad influences be gone, good friends come in. We command that in Jesus' name. We command that Frank is under the blood. He's under the blood. He's under the command. God works in his life. Holy Spirit, go out and get hold of Frank and bring him into repentance. So you're praying the solution. You're commanding that with the authority that God's given you because you're in Christ Jesus. You're seated with Christ Jesus in the heavenly realms. You have that authority because you're a born-again, blood-bought believer. You can do this stuff. The stuff isn't just for good people. All sorts of people, all sorts of crazy people have done it just because they have faith and they're blood-bought people. Okay, you're in Christ. So you look at the problem, you get a clear solution, and you start commanding it and believing that you're receiving that. You're going to believe that Frank is clean and sober. He's away from his bad friends. He's got good friends. He's sitting in church. You can picture him in church. He's got his hands raised. He's glorifying God. You're commanding that situation to come into place. And you start warring it. You start getting boom, boom, boom. 
marching around your lounge room with the music on. I command that Frank is freed from his bad friends now in Jesus' name. And you get into it, right? Uh, and you do that stuff. It sounds crazy, but it works. Just be a little bit crazy for the Lord now and then. You don't have to be crazy in public. You can be crazy at home, okay? Your family will cope with it. Uh, believe that you receive uh, and do it persistently. Okay, that will work. I had it upside down, didn't I? All right, here's a command for everyone. Let's stand up and do this. I'm going to do a little bit of practice. I'll have you up and down all this one. So if, you, if, you, if, you, if you've got bad knees or something, you can sit down. You don't have to get up. Right, it's all right. To tell you. Right, okay, let's try this one. Mountains of life's debts and regrets go to the cross and vanish, for I'll beg you no more. All the stuff you've got in your brain, all the debts and regrets of life, all the times you felt inadequate, we're going to tell them to go away and bother you no more. All right, say it with me. Mountain of life's debts and regrets, go to the cross and vanish, for I will bear you no more. One more time. Mountain of life's debts and regrets, go to the cross and vanish, for I will bear you no more. One more time. Mountain of life's debts and regrets, go to the cross and vanish, for I will bear you no more. Okay, sit down. All right, if you want to write that one down, do it. But that's how you do it. You speak to the mountain, all that stuff that's bugging you. The mountain of life's debts and regrets go to the cross and vanish. For I'll bear you no more. And you can feel the weight lifting off your shoulders while you say that. Uh, and one of the things I have to do is tell the past to go to the past. Past, you belong in the past. You affect me no more because of the cross. Go back. Because right. okay. when you get to my age, there's a lot of past. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, some other things to command. Bad moods. I can get really grumpy, especially when I'm late in the afternoon, I haven't eaten much, I've skipped lunch or something. Someone cuts me off in a big red pickup truck and on the freeway. Why is it always red pickup trucks? I don't know. Well, I and so someone gets and you you get that grouchy bad mood and you come home and and. At that point, you have to recognize you're in a bad mood, recognize that a little demon's trying to get into your head and give you that bad mood and keep it going. Yeah, and you have to deal with it before it comes one day, two days, three days of bad mood. Right? Otherwise, you can settle in, that mood settles in, and you're Oscar the Grouch for uh, a, a, a long period of time. Right? So you've got to move it out of the way. And a friend taught me this in 1997, and I've always remembered it. He says... Treat your bad moods like the demons and tell them to go away and stay away. And so I'll say, grouchy mood, in Jesus' name, go away and stay away. And it goes away and stays away. I might have to do it half a dozen times, but it'll go away and stay away, and my mood breaks within seconds. Yeah? And I know nothing else that gets me out of a bad mood uh, quicker than that. And sometimes uh, I have to go and exercise because I spend too much time in front of computers. And so I'll walk, that helps me get my, out of the bad mood, and I command at the same time, and my bad mood leaves me. Okay. Uh, lost items. Okay. Absent-minded professor loses credit cards, keys, this, that, pens, whatever. And I believe, although this might sound crazy, I believe the devil hides things from us just when we need them. Uh, you're trying to get to church and where's the car key? Where's the car keys, right? Just when you need them, the devil hides them from you so you can't see them. So I say, car keys be manifest to me now. Appear. And they appear. Or I'll say, Kaki, stop hiding. Be manifest to me now. And they'll be appear every time. 
Believe me, this works. It sounds nutty, but I'm nutty, and it works. Right? This really does work. Uh, uh, and so just command the keys to appear, or the credit card, or whatever you've lost. Uh, and so far, since I've been doing this, I haven't lost any ballpoint pens. Touch wood. <laughs> but I used to lose ballpoint pens all the time. You know, even nice ones that I've been given for birthdays and things. Uh, and, and so I've commanded things to appear. Crazy thoughts. You're driving along the freeway and you get one of those crazy thoughts. Why don't you just drive into that truck over there? Why don't you drive over that cliff? Or, look, you, you, you're going along really nicely and why don't you take your car up to 90 or 100 miles an hour, right? And I look in the mirror, there's the cop car. <laughs> that thought is not coming from God, right? And there are some of the thoughts that come into your head are really stupid, like, well, why don't you go to the casino and gamble? <laughs> no, <laughs> right? No, that's, that's not from God. It's not even from yourself. Or why don't you go and have an affair? Or why don't you visit this pornographic website or whatever? No, <laughs> right? That's junk that Satan's trying to put in your head. And you, you, he puts these suggestions into you. Like, if you're the son of God, do this, you know? Why don't you do this? You've led such a boring life, Pastor John. Why don't you go to a wild party? No. Right? So when those crazy thoughts get into your head, now I'm not suicidal, I have no intention of driving into a truck or anything like that, but those thoughts just float through your head sometimes, right? Uh, uh, and they come out of nowhere. Uh, and so, you know, they might, you know, uh, whatever. You know them all. You don't have to list them. So when the crazy thoughts come into your head, Speak to the thought like it's a demon or a person and say, no, get out. Get out of my brain. You don't belong in my brain. That's a crazy thought. That's a disobedient thought. Out. I belong to Jesus. And you tell those crazy thoughts to go away because they can run you in circles. And by the way, some of those crazy thoughts can be very super spiritual. There's a guy who called David Brainard uh, who prayed and prayed and prayed. And then he went out in the snow one day and prayed and got pneumonia and died. Right? That was a religious spirit, not the Holy Spirit. God will suggest super spiritual things to you like, hey, why don't you jump off the temple and prove the Lord? Right? I have seen a people go schizophrenic from praying at 3 o'clock in the morning. So they pray, get up in the morning, and they pray at 3 o'clock, they have to go off to work, and eventually they become hallucinate and they go mad. I've seen 20 or 30 people leave the ministry because of prayer and fasting so that their body... I've got a friend now whose kidneys are shutting down from prayer and fasting. That is not of God. They've got a religious spirit that's driving them nuts. And it's a religious suggestion, so they think it's of God. Right? Extreme Christianity, you know, uh, like going to... Jesus only passed, fasted for 40 days once. Right? This friend of mine, he does like three or four 21-day fasts a year. Now his kidneys are giving out. I said, stop it. You can't abuse your body like that. Right? So there's a time which, where you can go over the mark, you know, and, and I'm still dealing with one person who went schizophrenic from, from praying too much, right? Because you need sleep. And so crazy religious thoughts, get out. Bad people. So there's bad people coming into your life or a boss is really nasty or, you know, uh, Minda had some uh, vice principals who were really nasty to her. She prayed and they said, change or go. Repent or go. 
uh, and speaks in the spirit to that situation. Repent or go. In this case, the vice principles all left. Uh -uh. Remove them from your life. Take spiritual authority over the situation. Harassing person, change or go. You are not. No one is meant to be over you like that. No one's meant to be causing cruelty in your life. Change or go. Repent or go from your life. And take a firm stand on that. Okay. So, what's our blockage? We give a command, but it hits a cloud of doubt and wavering. You say, oh, that's all right for Pastor John or Pastor Janet or Pastor Ken or Pastor Bing or Pastor Mike or someone. That's okay for them, but that's not for me. So it hits that internal conflict, cloud of doubt and wavering stuff where you're sixes and sevens with yourself and you're a double-minded man, unstable in your ways, and you receive nothing from the Lord. Now, that's James 1, 6 to 8. So you don't want to be double-minded. You want to be at sixes and sevens back and forth. You want to have a clear picture, and you want to believe that it's in the will of God, and you stand on it. Right? You stand on that firmly, and you command it, and you stand on it. Because it, if you get into that wavering stuff, your prayer just fizzles out, and it's useless. Okay. Here's James 5.16. The, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Or it's very effective. So the fervent prayer of a righteous man, you've got heat, you've got passion, you're in there, you're speaking strongly. And, and actually in the Greek, for the words for prayer in Mark 11, there's two Greek words there, and it means that you're praying and demanding at the same time. So one word is proskumai, uh, and that means to normal prayer. The other one is iteo, which means demand. And by demand, it's, you must give me my pocket money. Demand. Right? Or like the cats at our home wanting food. <laughs> food. Yeah? It's demanding a right from God. Right? Uh, and when I was a little kid, uh, we, uh, we're back in Australia, we'd get $2 uh, pocket money a week, and that would buy our, our tuck shop and our lunch and everything. That was back in the days when money was worth money. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, but we would, on Friday afternoon, we would insist on our pocket money. We'd done our chores, we would get them. Uh, so, so we would insist on that. Where's their pocket money, Dad? Where's their pocket money? Uh, and that's the kind of thing you've got to go and nag God. You've got to press in and be focused and be fervent, the fervent, and you start to see stuff happening, like a, all the light rays going through a magnifying glass and causing a fire. You're focused. Okay. So how do you get this believing stuff to happen so this can work? And this is where we've got to work on ourselves. We have to say, I believe that I have received the thing that you want or the thing that you're asking God for. That's what he says. Uh, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So you've got to believe that you've received it, which means you put it in the past tense. You know, and that's why the prophets would say, Babylon has fallen, Babylon has fallen. Babylon was, and they put it in the past tense, even though Babylon was there alive and well, it would declare in the past tense that it's happened. So when you do a command, you speak it, uh, and uh, you are healed in Jesus' name. When the, when the woman was bent uh, 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 over double, and Jesus came to her, it's in Luke 13, the woman's bent over double, she says, you are released from your affliction. Then the woman straightened up. He said it in the past tense. You are released from your affliction. Then she was released from her affliction. So it's saying it in the past before it actually happens. Uh, and so... Uh, when you command this, you're speaking as if you've already received it. 
So you say something, my son is freed from the bad influences in his life. You're putting it in the past tense. My son has been freed from the bad influences. Uh, my daughter is, uh, is able, to, is passing her exams now. Her mind is clear and she is passing her exams. And you speak that into the spiritual realms as if you've already received it. I know that sounds illogical, but it's the way the Bible works. You develop a clear, unwavering prayer picture in your heart using biblical imagery and terms from the Bible helps. Repeat it until it sinks in, focus, persist, command continually, be steadfast about it. Uh, and, uh, and so I won't get into the Greek here, but it means to command continually. Look at the Lord's promise and not at the waves. The believing bit is our work. We have stuff we need to get out of our heart in order to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. Uh, you have to work on believing. It's not the easiest thing on the planet. Okay. Some balance here. If I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. Command prayer, moving mountains, that's part of the Christian thing. But love is everything in the Christian thing. So you're commanding out of your love for your children or for your family. And so uh, love is number one. Okay. The measure of faith. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Obviously, the apostles are right up here and the prophets of old, they're right up here when it comes to measure of faith. God has not given me the measure of faith to uproot and plant kingdoms. I am not there. Right? So, uh, and as yet, I have not raised the dead, though I hope to one day, God willing. Right? I've seen the sick healed, I've seen demons cast out. So God gives us a measure of faith. And we start, we should start with our measure of faith, start where we're at. Otherwise, you get really disillusioned. So if you go out and someone's in stage four cancer and you go there tomorrow and you give a command and it doesn't happen, you think, oh, it doesn't work. What Pastor John said doesn't work. But your level of faith isn't up to that yet, right? Try with someone who's got a headache, right? Try, try the stuff you can do. Try with the problems that God's got in your life and in your family. Focus on the mountains that are right in front of your nose. And get it working with the mountains that are right in front of your nose and then grow in faith. Uh, and you grow and ask for the gift of faith. And you keep doing it and you keep doing it. And then one day you see a spectacular answer and you say, yes, this works, this works, this works. Right? So start where you're at. Start with your measure of faith. I don't want to overwhelm you right? uh, uh, with what you're doing. But do try this command prayer stuff. So what happens if the mountain does not move? Don't give up on church or God. Don't get bitter. Don't blame yourself. Don't blame God. Keep on trying and praying and be confident that God is sovereign, He's in control, and He may be working it out another way than you thought. Okay. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. Now, the, the worship team can come up. This, we're going to do this together. The Lord's Prayer was originally written in what we call the imperative. It's supposed to be full of exclamation marks. It's supposed to be a command prayer. So we're all going to stand up. Everybody, stand up. Uh, and we're going to do the Lord's Prayer in command format. I'll do it once, and then you do it twice with me. Okay, this is how it goes. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. That's warfare prayer. We're praying the Lord's Prayer. Command format, warfare prayer. This is Christian war Christ up. All right?
Alright, okay, we're going to do it together. We're going to do it together twice. Once you'll get practice, then, it, then you'll be really into it. Okay, let's do it together. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. One more time. Our Father who is in heaven, be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from New Life Foursquare, located in Harbor City and Norwalk, California. Feel free to make copies of this audio to share with others, but please do not charge for those copies or change the content in any way without permission. For more information, you can visit us online at newlifefoursquare.org.